I do have something to confess to you, and I think this is going to be a big surprise to a lot of you, but when I was a kid growing up here in Kansas, I, I ran with a pretty tough crowd. I think, I think maybe some of you realize I ran with a pretty tough crowd. I, uh, I was actually a member of a gang here in Kansas. Now, I know you're thinking, you're thinking, Kansas had gangs? Yeah, we had a gang. Oh, we were a gang. We, we had all the markings of a gang. We had gang collars, blue and gold. We even had clothes that we wore, certain clothes that our gang wore. We had a hat, we had a neckerchief. And we, we even had gang signs. We had gang signs. This was one of our gang signs. And we even had a motto, with that we, a code that we lived by. We had a gang, and we called ourselves the Cub Scouts. And I'll tell you one, just to make it even worse, that there were the, the, the ringleader of the Cub Scouts, the woman that we called our den mother, she's a member of this church. Dixie Goff was the ringleader of our gang. And, and Dixie took us into our home. She taught us a code to live by in our gang. And she fed us cookies. And she taught us the skills we needed to be gang members. They even went out to Denny and Sue's house once in a while and had hot dogs out there. We had drag races in the church basement. I don't know if you know that. That's how rough our gang was. We had drag races in the church basement. And she gave us a motto. A motto to live by. Do you know what the motto of our gang was? Does anyone know? Be prepared. Be prepared for what, Dixie? Anything. Anything and everything. Any challenge that comes your way. Any possibility that you might need to address. Be prepared. She taught us a life of absolute awareness. And she taught us to be prepared for anything that might come our way. Any way that we might be able to make a difference. Be prepared. That's not a bad lesson to learn in our faith also. Be prepared. It speaks to our faith. Last week we heard Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter's words on the reality of suffering. That life brings suffering. Pain comes into our lives. Are we prepared for the difficulties that life is going to throw us? Those questions, those problems that trouble our faith. So now as we come into chapter 3, of 1 Peter, Peter advises us to be prepared, to be ready for those challenges that come. Challenges that might wreck our faith. Challenges that might challenge our commitment. Even steal our hope. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, 13-17, page 1016 in those Bibles in front of you. Be prepared. Just a couple of years ago, 2021, a 12-year-old Boy Scout named David King. David was out hiking with his mother attempting to earn yet another merit badge. And while on a hike, he came across a couple who were also hiking. They had been lost on that trail for hours. Their phones were dead. They had run out of water. And to make matters worse, they had their dog with them, a 100-pound dog whose feet had been so cut up on the rocks while they were out hiking that the dog could no longer walk. The husband and wife were taking turns carrying their 100-pound dog. They weren't getting very far. David used the skills that he had been taught in Boy Scouts. He was prepared and he led that family back to safety. He built a stretcher for them to carry the dog back. 
He gave them some water and He led them back to safety. David's advice after this event, his advice was, always listen to instructions and what you are learning in class. I think that's great advice. I think that's great advice when we approach the Bible. Always listen to the instructions and what we are learning from the Bible. It's good advice for us who are trying to live by faith. You know, it's in the middle of a crisis, that's not the time to be prepared. In the middle of that difficulty, that's not the time to, to be preparing yourself. Rather, it's in that day-to-day that we learn what it means for us to be prepared. And that's what Peter is showing us here in this letter. And the first lesson that Peter teaches us is to be prepared to live without fear. Living a life without fear. That sounds like something superheroes do, doesn't it? That sounds like, the, like something we'd see from a superhero, but let's be honest, we've all got our fears. Whether it's fears for ourselves, whether it's fears for our safety, uh, whether it's fears for the people that we love. And Peter addresses, he begins by addressing those fears. Verse, verse 13, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Seems a little dismissive here. What's the chances? No one's going to harm you if all you want to do is good. Is that true? Well, it, it should be true. It should be true, but it's not necessarily true in this world. There might be people who want to harm us for doing good. So Peter goes on in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be in trouble, nor be troubled. Verse 14 there, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. He's actually quoting from Isaiah in that verse. A passage that was 700 years old when Peter quotes it. 700 years earlier, Isaiah had written those words inspired from God. Peter's audience knew those words. They had memorized those words. They, they could repeat those words. But did they live by those words? I think that's the problem. It's easy enough to just repeat it. It's easy just enough just to talk a good game, to talk tough, to talk like we're not afraid. But real confidence and real courage comes from living out our commitment. Being prepared is a matter of knowing how to live without fear. There's a lot of things you can do to help you overcome your fears, no matter what those fears are. If you're afraid of spiders, or you're afraid of snakes, you're afraid of heights, or you're afraid of, uh, of crowds, even if you're afraid of, uh, of, uh, of death or pain or suffering. One important step you can take in overcoming fears is just to acknowledge the fear. Just to acknowledge the reality of the fear. Just to accept that it's there. Even just naming the fear helps. And some people have names for their fears. If you're afraid of spiders, you have what is it called? Arachnophobia. Anyone got a, I don't want to know if you've got arachnophobia. I don't want to know if you don't have arachnophobia, actually, because I'm afraid you might bring a spider to me. Don't bring me any spiders. Sometimes we have, you know, the, the name arachnophobia, that's as scary as, as the fear itself. Some people suggest that if you want to name your fears, give your fears a, a goofy name. Name your fear Floyd. You know, whatever you're afraid of, just name it Floyd. When that little voice inside your head starts telling you what you ought to be afraid of, you say, oh, Floyd, just hush. And pretty soon Floyd leaves you alone because Floyd doesn't want to bother you anymore. And you, you're not going to listen to someone and be afraid of someone named Floyd. Another important step is to just understanding the fear. Where does the fear come from? Is it a rational fear or is it an irrational fear? Irrational fears are, 
are real to us, but where do they come from? What causes that irrational fear? What's the root? You can face your fears. And that's best with the support of other people. Maybe people who are going through the same struggles that you're going, that you're going through. You can talk through those with them. But more important than all of that, it is essential that we celebrate when we have victory over fear. Even little victories. Even little wins. It's essential that we celebrate our victory over our fears. Keep to the positive side. Celebrate what you've overcome no matter how small. Be prepared to live without fear. And I mentioned that Peter is quoting from Isaiah here. And his people, the people he's writing to, should have known this verse. They would have known this verse. They would have heard this verse. What did God say through Isaiah? He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. It's there that God says, Do not call conspiracy all that this people call conspiracy. Boy, that's something we need to hear today, isn't it? Do not call conspiracy everything that the people around you call a conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, Him you shall honor as holy. Let Him be your fear. Let Him be your dread. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let God be your fear? Let God be your dread. I mean, I understand fearing and respecting God is holy, but to let God be our dread? Yeah, fear is a huge motivator for this world, but you're not of this world. And so if you're going to fear anyone, fear God. But since He loves you, what good does it do you to be in dread of God? We could choose to fear God. We could allow ourselves to live with this dread of what He might do to us. But instead, Peter leads us to another lesson on how to be prepared for this life and the challenges of our faith. And he calls us to be prepared to recognize Jesus Christ as your Lord. Be prepared to recognize Jesus as Lord. You know, at the very point there in Isaiah 8 where Isaiah warns his people, let the Lord be your fear. Let the Lord be your dread. Peter redirects his readers. And he changes the words. He re redirects them from Isaiah's words. And instead, he tells us in verse 15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Not to be afraid of God. Not to let Jesus be your dread. But rather, in your hearts, in the very center of your being, you put Jesus in that seat of honor. At that point, when Jesus has that seat of honor, what would you ever have to be afraid of. I feel, like, I feel like we really need to hear this. I also feel like there's a lot of people in our lives, a lot of people around us who need to hear this because the fact is something is going to control you. Something is going to own you. Something is going to master you. And if it's not going to be Jesus, then what's it going to be? And too often, it's fear. Fear ends up mastering us. There are people in your life who are facing suffering and sicknesses and challenges and they're facing those without Jesus they need to hear this because they are afraid but Christians don't fool yourselves we need to hear this too be aware there are people out there who want to keep you afraid there are people in this world who want to keep you afraid why because if they can keep you afraid they can control you can't they if they can keep you afraid, they can control you. Now, politicians know this. They're always going to tell you what you need to be afraid of. The, the news people, they know this. So much of the news and the media that we consume 
It's just selling fear. It's just telling people what they need to be afraid of. Be afraid of these people. Be afraid of those people on the other political aisle. Be afraid of this stuff. Be afraid of these new things. Be afraid of these vaccines. What's the latest one? Oh, be afraid of AI. AI is going to get us. You know, Artificial intelligence is going to get us. Sometimes we need to slow down. We need to think. And we need to ask, why is it so necessary for them to keep me afraid? Why do they need to keep me afraid? What are they selling me? And maybe the question isn't, what are they selling me? But maybe the question is, with their fear, to whom are they selling me? Who are they trying to get me to follow with their fear? I'll tell you, you're going to find preachers. You're going to find preachers who want to keep you afraid. I'll tell you, you can build a big church just by telling people what to be afraid of. And I've seen preachers do it. I can point you to preachers right now who want you to be afraid, and they've built big churches just keeping people afraid. Christian authors who have written best-selling books just keeping people afraid. Teachers who want to keep you afraid. Don't give them the time of day, and by all means, don't give them your money. Don't do that. Instead, Peter says, honor Jesus as Lord. Set Him apart to the One who holds you. Set Him apart as the One who holds you. The One who guides you. What did John tell us? 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Perfect love drives out fear. Right? You know that one? 1 John 4, 18. Perfect love drives out fear. Who loves you perfectly? Jesus. Perfect love drives out fear. What did... Paul tell Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Should be obvious by now. Fear. And what's Peter tell us? Have no fear of them. Instead, you make Jesus your Lord. Be prepared. Not just for Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts. Be prepared to live without fear. Be prepared to recognize Jesus Christ as your Lord. And be prepared be prepared to tell other people the reason you have hope. One of the things that you and I need to keep in mind is that in a world that is ruled by fear, in a world where people are constantly told what to be afraid of, when other people are motivated by fear, when they're constantly told that they need to be afraid, when you and I as believers in Jesus live a life without fear, we're going to catch people's attention. People are going to notice that. And if we're doing it right, they're going to ask some questions. They're going to say, why aren't you afraid of this? And haven't you heard the news? Haven't you read what's going on? Why aren't you afraid of this? Why aren't you worried? And you and I need to be prepared to have those kind of conversations. Again, look at verse 15. But in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. I want you to hear those verses carefully. Don't hear them as you getting led into a dark room with a lamp on right over your head where you're going to get interrogated where someone's going to interrogate you and and where they're, where they're going to force you to to answer every question answer every argument you know there are some people 
who can do that. Some people who know the answers to every question that, that a non-believer might a- ask. There's some people who know how to work through those kind of arguments, and that's not, that's not for all of us. I mean, if that's something you're interested in, there's some great resources out there. You know, we've, I've mentioned many times, Hannah Brimner works with an amazing organization called Room for Doubt that teaches you how to answer some of those questions about the doubts and the fears that people have. But that's not what Peter's talking about here. Always be prepared to give an answer, a defense for the reason you have hope. This is about your neighbor, your neighbor who doesn't believe like you, who's asking you, what makes you different? Why why aren't you worried about these things? What makes you different? Why aren't you scared? Why are you always so hopeful? What is different about you? And I don't want you to miss the last part of verse 15. When you respond, you respond with gentleness and respect. Gentleness. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Do you remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the signs that the Holy Spirit is alive and active in you and growing something good, growing something that's like Jesus inside of you. And then respect. You know, respect is recognizing that not everybody believes the way you and I believe, and that's okay. Not everybody is going to agree with us, and that's okay. You know, Peter is writing to Christians. He, he says they are in exile. They have been persecuted, and they are running for their lives. And in running for their lives, they have gone into some foreign lands where people live differently than them, where people believe differently than them, where people worship someone other than God. And Peter says, show respect to those around you. And when you show them respect, you be prepared to answer their questions. Because when you answer those questions, you want to show them Jesus. He wraps up this paragraph in verse 17. Verse 17, he says, For it is better to suffer for doing good, if it should be the will of, if it should be God's will, than for doing evil. It is better to suffer for doing good, if it should be God's will, than for doing evil. Do you see what he did there? Back in verse 13, Peter said, No one's going to harm you if you're zealous for doing good. But here at the end of the paragraph, he says, Yeah, you know what? They might. Someone might want to harm you for doing good. Uh, Someone might want to harm you. There can be real trouble for people who serve God. And I've had people say to me, well, I know I should take a stand, but but I'm scared. I know I should do this. I know I should take a stand for Jesus, but I'm scared of what people might think. I'm scared of how they might respond. I've even had people say, well, yeah, we we could do this. We should do this, but uh, what if someone doesn't like it? And what if somebody... What if someone were to sue us for doing good? We could make someone mad. We could offend someone. We could even get sued. Peter doesn't tell us to give a defense for why we're afraid. He tells us to give a defense for why we have hope. Stop telling people what you're afraid of. It won't do them any good. All you'll do is add to their fears. And It seems to me, so often we are prepared, but we're prepared to criticize. Sometimes we are prepared to fight. We are prepared to argue. You know, we've got our arguments ready to go. We've got our digs ready. And all we need is someone to set us up. We just need them to say the wrong thing. And boy, we'll, we'll sink our claws in. Well, we've got that argument ready. We're ready to go. Are we prepared to encourage people? 
Are we prepared to offer them hope? To show them what having Christ as Lord means? To demonstrate His love to them? Show them what a life without fear means. Don't, you don't have to be afraid of their questions. Be prepared to show them that you believe in something greater than their fears. Be prepared. Dixie taught me that. But more than that, it's, it's important for all of us. It's important for you, for the life you live, for the fears that you feel. Be prepared for those you encounter who have no faith. Be prepared for those that you encounter who are living lives governed by their fears. The fears not only that they have found, but maybe the fears that someone else has forced on them. You have a gift that they need to hear about. And when you are prepared to share that gift with gentleness, with respect, they are going to see Jesus in you. The faith that defeats your fears can be someone else's source of hope. We're going to take communion here in just a moment. We're going to sing the song, It is well with my soul. Some of you have probably heard this story before. But this song, It is well with my soul, was written by a man named Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford was not a songwriter, not a hymn writer. He was a lawyer. I believe he lived in Chicago. And after a long and difficult time in his life and his family's life, they had been through a lot of problems. They decided they needed to get away on a trip. And so they were going to take a trip to Europe. And because of some business dealings that Horatio had, he sent his wife and three daughters on ahead on a ship. And in the middle of the ocean, they encountered another ship, collided, and the ship sank. And all but his wife were lost, was lost. Her last memory before the ship sank was holding their infant daughter and the force of the water actually ripping her right out of her hands. And once she arrived at the destination Horatio had heard and word had gotten back that there had been this horrible shipwreck, she sent a telegraph to him. And the telegraph simply said, saved alone. All the rest of the family was lost. Years later, his wife Anna would reflect on those words. And she would say this, It is easy to be grateful and good when you have so much. But take care. God, do not be a fair-weather friend of God. Be prepared. Sometime later after the accident, Horatio himself was traveling to, to visit, to be with his wife. And he passed over that very spot where the accident took place place and that's where he began to pen the words that we're going to sing in just a moment you can write those kind of words in a place of horrible loss but you don't prepare yourself for those kind of words in that place you prepare yourself through a life of faithfulness you prepare yourself through a life of trust and a life of hope a life of fear won't get you there and it won't get you to the other side be prepared be prepared to offer yourself to Jesus and let Him offer you the greatest hope you'll ever receive. We're going to sing those words here in just a moment. Let me pray first. We'll sing these words and we'll take together. Father, we love You. Thank You for loving us. Lord, in a, in a world where so many would tell us to be afraid, it, it just seems like every day someone's come up with something new. Every time we watch the news, there's something new to be afraid of. And yet, our faith and our courage and our strength 
And our hope comes from a story that is ancient, a story that is just as true today as it was in the beginning, a story that God so loved us that He gave His one and only Son. And whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, Lord, we come to the table again today to remind ourselves of the hope that we have, of the reason for the hope that we have. And we come today also to lay aside our fears. Lord, we'll place those at the foot of the cross and we'll take up the hope that we have in Christ. Bless us today as we take. Remind us of this, of this bread that reminds us of His body and the, and the cup that reminds us of His blood. Remind us of what was given so that we might know You and so that we might have hope. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.